1: appreciate our genius
0: Mrs. Reaper may I come in? your daughter appears to have formed a rather unwholesome attachment to Julia we're not I know what to do about Mother.
1: We don't want to go to too much trouble. It's some sort of
0: accident. It's all frightfully romantic.
1: Hi, this is the second episode of Horror vs. Reality, and today's episode we are doing Heavenly Creatures, the nineteen ninety-four Peter Jackson film based on the nineteen fifty-four Parker Holm case in Christchurch, New Zealand. So, Morgan, Morgan here again. <laughs> She was generous enough to come back and do another episode. Thanks, Mo.
0: Yeah, no problem. I'm, I'm happy to be back.
1: Well, we're happy to have you. <laughs> All right. So um, this film was actually nominated for the Best Original Screenplay at the Oscars that year. So this is kind of the movie that elevated Jackson from um, bladder comedies that are super gory, such as the infamous Braindead, to uh, you know an Oscar darling with Lord of the Rings. Ooh. Yeah, so this is this is the movie that made people know who the fuck Peter Jackson was before Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings like really did it, but this this got Hollywood talking. So Heavenly Creature stars Kate Winslet, who you would definitely know from titanic and probably other wonderful films like eternal sunshine of the spotless mind she plays juliet holm and melanie linsky plays pauline parker now linsky you may recognize as the stalker neighbor on two and a half men she's been in other stuff but uh that's probably going to be her most memorable role because that that uh that show was super popular even though it was not very good Don't hate me for that. That's just my opinion. It it could be someone's favorite show, not mine. All right. So the film explores their budding friendship and their uh, folie adieu, also known as a shared psychosis. It follows their increasingly violent and just out of touch with reality fantasy life, which Jackson explores through these wonderful series of hazy, extended surreal fantasy scenes that are like obviously not what's actually happening, you know, in the reality of the film so Juliet after kind of a bunch of you know little like intro montages to their friendship and how deepened it's gotten and like I said increasingly fantastical Juliet gets tuberculosis and her parents basically just stick her in a hospital and leave the country awesome parenting parenting great parenting (laughs) so (laughs) she obviously feels abandoned and she doesn't get to see Pauline really during this period but they fiercely write back and forth you know they're. Yeah. Sure. Pen pal extraordinaires and that really just deepens their um their psychosis and their like weird bond that they have that's become obsession. However, in the absence of Juliet, Pauline loses her virginity to a lodger of her family's and her dad catches her and just basically has this disgusted look on his face, like, you know. Her parents basically treat her like she's a disappointment a lot in the movie. Yeah, so yeah yeah so worried about her relationship with juliet the dad basically takes her to the doctor and the doctor is just like i'm diagnosing her with the homosexuality (laughs) (laughs) which which in like uber christian 1950s new zealand is definitely not cool
0: yeah, and, you're, you're going to hell.
1: Yeah, you are not accepted because you are not honoring God's wishes or some shit.
0: <laughs> it's <Hi>. unnatural.
1: Yes. <laughs> Wow. Diabolical. Diabolical. Just obscene. Anyway, so, (laughs) you know, their parents are super worried about this friendship, especially after the doctor situation. And around the same time, Pauline, actually really throughout the whole movie, Pauline and her mother, just their relationship really deteriorates. They fight constantly. They don't get along. Like I said, the parents just kind of treat her like she's this disappointment. And I mean, she is acting out, but I feel like... They're both at fault for how their relationship is. So Juliet's parents also uh, announced that they're getting divorced around this time and basically tell Juliet that, you know, neither one of them are going to keep her. <laughs> they're just going to ship her off to a relative's in South Africa, which you can imagine freaks her out because she doesn't want to be separated from Pauline and vice versa. So they hatch this like harebrained scheme to uh, run away. And um, later they begin to plot The murder of Pauline's mother, who they basically view as their main obstacle to them being together. The movie really impresses upon the notion that they were sexually involved, but there's no real evidence of that in reality. But I guess other than like things written in journals, um, but given how much of their life had become fantasy and how much of it was actual reality, it's kind of hard to tell where the line's blurred for either girl, you know? Just- uh, they go on a walk they spend they spend like the last three weeks before she gets sent to South Africa together and that's when they hatch this plan you know Honora uh, Pauline's mother basically just takes them on this you know little hike walk trip through Victoria Park and the girls you know have hatched their scheme this is all part of their plan she even writes in her journal before they go out there It's weird to think that when that after today mother will be dead like just cold. Uh, Yeah, so they basically just, like, Juliet drops a charm and, you know, kind of distracts her. Maybe it's Pauline. I'm not sure which one drops the charm. Not important. But basically, you know, they point it out and Nora bends down to pick up the little pink charm that, you know, they've dropped. And that's when Juliet puts a brick and to her head and bludgeons her and then she's probably mostly dead at this point there's like you know she's taking last gasps she's taking like her last gasps of life and then... <gasps> yeah yeah exactly and then pauline like basically delivers um another blow or two and just adds to that and uh, then it just, just shows them running back to civilization, just blood covered and fucking screaming, you know, yeah, that I she's dead or whatever. Blood. Oh, yeah, it's, it's really, <laughs> I, I mean, I think that harkens back to Peter Jackson's earlier career of just splatterfests. Like, if you haven't seen Brain Dead, um, it's very gory, but it's not like, it's a comedy. It's a, it's a zombie comedy, so it's not really gory in the sense of, say, hostile. It's just disgustingly gory. It's a, it's a gross out. I have not seen it. Comedy. <laughs> you give it a go if you uh, have a strong stomach that day and a, are you know up for a? Yeah, I'm a gross
0: nurse. I see a uh, gross stuff every day. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no I'm I'm aware. I'm aware <laughs> that you are. I just feel I feel like I feel like this is like a warning for the audience. <laughs>
0: we're,
1: we're not all nurses Morgan. I know what? I'm not. <laughs> I once while listening to a podcast episode of My Favorite Murder nearly fainted due to Karen Kilgariff's description of uh, an I survived episode. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> yeah. Literally had to pull the car over so I didn't faint at the wheel. It was excellent.
0: (laughs) She's good at descriptions.
1: She is good at descriptions. And I have a vivid imagination. So (laughs) that that one-two punch was not great. But yeah, so there's a little prologue at the end that's... Or prologue, epilogue, epilogue, sorry. Um, There's a little epilogue at the end that's basically like, you know, just like words on the screen. Telling you what happens, telling you that Pauline and Juliet are arrested for murder, and that uh, Pauline's mother was actually never married to the husband, so they have to change her name, or her last name anyway. And the girls are too young to face the death penalty, so they actually only serve five years in prison. And they were released separately, but part of their release was that, like, part of the agreement is that, you know, that they were just forbidden to see each other again. And they don't. They never see each other again. But oddly enough, they're both living in. This is not part of the movie. They don't tell you this because the movie was filmed before this. Well, I don't know. They just don't mention this in the film. But anyway, (laughs) they're both like living in the UK. Yeah,
0: in Scotland.
1: Yeah, like not super far from each other. (laughs) But they never see each other again. So I'm gonna throw it to Morgan, and she can talk about things that happen in reality that are different from the movie, and like subsequent things that they don't address in the movie. Like what's going on now? Are they alive? What's up? That kind of stuff. So Morgan, take it away.
0: Hi. So back to what you were saying about the condition where they're never supposed to see each other again. Um, I found in the New Zealand Herald um, from 2011 that that was actually false. They were released without conditions or it, Actually, um Juliet was released without conditions. Pauline was released, but she had to stay uh, where she lived and worked. So she actually stayed in Auckland and finished up a Bachelor of Arts degree. And graduated in sixty-five and then dipped out to Scotland. But which I thought that was crazy because everywhere I read was like they were not allowed to speak to each other. But they were actually released without any conditions. Um
1: yeah, I think it's just a widely circulated unfounded rumor, but it's it's like part of the mythos now.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. But they were released free to start new lives under new assumed identities. But first off, Juliet Marion Hulme was born October 28th, 1938. So she was actually a little bit older than Pauline Parker. Pauline Yvonne Parker. She was born the 26th of May in 1938. She's older. Okay, so Juliet's younger. Sorry, my bad. So back to the crime. So they, Juliet's parents were supposed to be getting a divorce. They were in the process of separating and they were living as a threesome, like the movie said, but it was in a, threesome not in like a sexual way or anything it was a threesome where the dad was separate so the mom and her new husband or new boyfriend bill were actually like staying together after juliet had found them so it wasn't like a big secret apparently it was at first and then they were like okay well she knows let's just start sleeping together at least that's what i've read in the this search for Anne perry the hidden life of a best-selling crime writer by joanne drayton um so anyway holmes parents were in the process of divorce and they were just gonna send her to south africa because her tuberculosis um was recurrent. So they wanted her in a warm climate because she was really prone to upper respiratory illnesses, pneumonia. And so they were like, oh, let's just send you off to South Africa because your uh, second cousin twice removed lives there and their family, which really upset. We
1: just don't, <laughs> and we just don't want to take care of you anymore.
0: Exactly. Because the dad's like, oh, i got a position to teach shit at Cambridge. And
1: well, I've got a new boy toy and who cares about my daughter?
0: Yeah, it was really sad. Like, I felt like they just totally just, you know, were like, oh, screw it. She's a s- sick little kid. So let's just take care of our son. Like, they took the son everywhere with them, but they left her alone. So of course she yeah. was like, like forced to go into her imagination or anything to escape reality her.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, I really understand why they bonded so well. They're both sickly girls who feel alienated and not
0: very much loved. Yeah, they're pretty much, like, exiled by their family. Like, they they also can't even, like, participate in sports or anything, so. Highlighted a lot throughout the movie, just them sitting on the signs. Yeah, like, writing in their diary and whispering in each other's ear, which, I mean, it totally makes sense that they bonded over it because they're looked as outsiders um especially like in their formative years they were separated from kids and separated from well juliet was separated from her family and kids but um pauline was separated from the kids i guess she had her family but in that weird boarding house atmosphere that has to be kind of strange
1: like like hey arnold
0: (laughs) yeah yeah but i Like, with Juliet, it's definitely understandable that she got so into writing in that fantasy world because, like she stayed in a hospital bed and anybody with tuberculosis back in those days and everything, they were supposed to, you know, you're not supposed to get your energy up or anything, so she was probably bed-bound, like, most of the time.
1: Yeah, and I mean, it sucks being in the hospital as an adult. Can you imagine just being that stir-crazy as a child in a hospital?
0: No, she's yeah. definitely gonna have some kind of emotional distress caused from that.
1: Totally. Um,
0: I don't know when Juliet and her met. I, I don't know. Um,
1: A lot of sources say 19
0: Okay. So like they were 13, 12,
1: 13. Yeah, yeah, around there.
0: Yeah, so they started this, I guess, creative relationship. Like they shared a love of writing and literature and and movie stars <laughs> and singers of the time. They had this obsession over uh different movie stars Specifically,
1: and they loved Mario Lanza the opera singer.
0: Yeah, I can't remember the actors. I, I didn't write it down, I, didn't I know
1: Esther's name, but they were obsessed with Mario Lanza,
0: yeah, and I know Pauline Parker was obsessed with he wrote War of the world,
1: oh um h. G. Wells,
0: yeah, she liked h G. Wells, but Juliet did not,
1: <laughs> which I think they disagreed. Gonna...
0: <laughs> but so they created this like fantasy world. They had diaries, they had books, they would even like write little short stories and stuff and inside different books. When the police came after the crime, they found all these like exercise books everywhere and they had all these writings in it. It was kind of funny because the the psychiatrist that interviewed them was like, yes, they were definitely in r- like a fiction. Like they weren't in reality because they really thought they could publish this stuff. It wasn't even good. I can't find the exact quote. But he's like making fun of these little girls' writings. He was like, they thought this crap could take them all the way to New York. Yeah, they're crazy. But yeah, they, I don't remember how many books they they wrote. I mean, according to them, they wrote like 50 or something. But I don't think they were all the way complete. And in their reality or their reality, so-called reality, it's really, uh, you can't really tell. So they spent a lot of time together. Like, that's all they did was just spend time together uh, until Juliet was sick and was sent to stay at the hospital again by herself when she's... Of course. Yeah, like, no visitors or anything.
1: Oh my God, why would her family visit her?
0: (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah, you can't visit her. She's sick. I think they're like scared of her, but she well, was spoiler sent-
1: alert. She does murder her friend's mother. <laughs>
0: yeah, but- <laughs> <laughs> I think they were more scared of tuberculosis than her psychopathy. <laughs>
1: No, I, I know. Uh, but it was an yeah. easy j- what? It was an easy joke.
0: Uh. <laughs> yeah, they, they uh, like you said earlier, they had been sending each other letters every day, and they kept up correspondence. And from what I tell, like her mom never really wrote her all that much. Like in the movie, she didn't open the letters or anything. But from where I read, she didn't really write her all that much. Like the parents didn't really have anything to do with her. It was really, really sad. So Fourth World go into
1: Oh, to the- you should definitely bring up the fourth world.
0: Yeah. So they wrote in their diary, well, Juliet not Juliet. Pauline. Oh, right kept all the diaries and they said they found like several diaries and one was from 1953 no 52 and had over 120 pages and it was almost every single day she wrote in it and it was just discussing their cleverness and their imaginary world which they called the fourth world and only 20 only 25 people were allowed to see it and they were one of the 25 um they said that they were their the own their own gods of their own world and they were lucky that they were ever able to see the fourth world so they were pretty much like in this crazy reality that they fed off each other. So when one would go with an idea, the other one would feed into it and leading to like pretty much mania. Um, yeah. One psychiatrist, Dr. Reginald Medlicott, He said that they could supposedly um, say that they can see things and hear things at will. So So they could actively hallucinate he was the one in the trial who was supposed to deem if they were insane or not um which from everything i read from him he like hated them literally hated them he said they were like the most difficult people to ever treat or see
1: i mean i get the feeling that they were probably annoying to be around
0: Yeah, I can't, I want to find that quote. See, I feel bad. I didn't buy these books. I'm (laughs) literally like looking at just excerpts from them. So I did not read all these books. And to be honest, they all have really bad reviews. But I think it would be kind of cool to read these. There's been several books published and Reginald Medlicott is um, included in a lot of different interviews and stuff because he was the head psychiatrist for the girls defense and he freaking hated them
1: yes with an undying passion
0: (laughs) yeah it's so funny the quote he says i laughed it's in um the search for Anne perry the hidden life of a best-selling crime writer by joanne drayton i think i already mentioned that but he said i can't find it anymore But uh, Pauline said, I hope you die or something in one of the interviews. Um, He saw them several times and he said that they're. he was trying to see if they were insane or not, because they were initially trying to say they were insane and take the insanity plea because they didn't want to stay in jail forever. um, Because they were actually tried at the Supreme Court level as adults. So, they were tried as adults in su- the Supreme Court of New Zealand in Christchurch, which means they could have actually gotten life in prison, even as minors. So, they took the insanity plea initially, and he was like, Yeah, they're definitely pretending like they're mad, but they do have some underlying things. He said they were narcissistic, very manic together. And res- repress their homosexual natures, which they both deny and they still do. Or uh, Juliet definitely, or Anne Perry denies it because she is part of Church of Latter-day Saints and you can't be gay and go to heaven. So... I mean,
1: you, um, yeah. (laughs) yeah.
0: Mormons frown upon
1: gay living in that establishment.
0: They they also ask for 10% of your income. So I guess all the 20 million books that she's sold now is Ann Perry, the crime writer, I bet is gone to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which... (laughs) Is so crazy that she went from murdering her best friend's mother to five and a half years in prison and then hey. becomes a, she became a flight attendant. So, uh, after five. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? And a half years of being in jail, Miss Juliet now and Perry became a flight attendant. Mm-hmm. Which I was like, what? She became a flight attendant. Her journey's kind of weird. Like, flight attendant, then she went to united states i don't know where i think she went to florida united states and then became a part of the church of latter-day saints super super christian and then eventually moved to scotland and became a crime writer according to some people she lives like a recluse just like pauline Mm -hmm. shocking but I don't see her living as a recluse because she's done a documentary, she's been in a movie, um, she's written over fifty crime novels, and she's won many awards. So I don't really know if that's living like a recluse.
1: Um, I I think she likes the fame and she feeds off the attention. Um, so I feel like she could technically like live like in a remote area and maybe not like come out and talk to people just a ton but i I get the feeling that she enjoys the notoriety the notoriety
0: yeah she definitely hates being taught like if she's talking about a crime book and then someone's like hey aren't you the girl that killed your best friend's mom and she's like why would you say that which oh my god why (laughs) would she bring up that devastating murder
1: that happened that i definitely committed
0: Yeah, so Peter Graham, who wrote Anne Perry and the Murder of the Century, was trying to get her to participate in some interviews he had because he wanted to, like, check uh, sources and everything. And she said, Do you have any idea how unbearably painful this is for me? And then he's like, But you, uh, you gave several interviews... What difference is it? And she said, "Oh, I've forgotten everything anyway. I wish to have nothing whatsoever to do with you and your book, which he published anyway."
1: Of, of course he did, because you know <laughs> he was already doing it before she was like, "Fuck you."
0: <laughs> yeah. So, so Peter Graham was like, "Well, it's all public record anyway, so I'm gonna write it." So he he wrote it, but he did use her name, Anne Perry, instead of her born name. But I think that has the best reviews out of all the books I saw on this case. He was interviewed by the New Zealand Herald because apparently she she didn't have she didn't want to have anything to do. But when the Daily Mail talked to her, they were asking how how she continues to live or whatever after doing this horrible crime. And she said well, I would just torment myself like thinking back to it. Um, she said, I would just torment myself if I did that, and that wouldn't help anybody. Oh, this was an interview in 2006. And they said, do you think about Honora Parker? And she said, no, she was someone I barely knew.
1: <laughs> I read that quote, too. And how cold. Yeah, you barely knew her, but you her being in your life and you being in her life is only a maybe the most significant thing that happened in your life.
0: You yes, know? seriously. And it's strange that she would say that because she was there a lot because her parents weren't there.
1: Yeah, she yeah.
0: So she yeah. stayed over, over there a few times and I mean they she, it's very strange. It's, to say that it's your best it's your best friend's mom
1: you know her well enough
0: yeah especially when you're spending every single day with that person over and over like you know the mom um yeah
1: my best friend growing up I definitely knew her mother I talked to her plenty yeah over there it's called manners (laughs) yeah
0: it's it's very, you know, the uh, all the different psychiatrists that interviewed him and then like mainly Dr. Medlicott, he was like, yeah, they're extreme narcissists. And I think the narcissist personality of Ann, whatever, and Perry, I think that narcissistic personality is definitely still there. Um, maybe... I think you have
1: to be a little bit narcissistic to lead any kind of public career.
0: Yeah. I mean... <sighs> Just it's, a little bit. Yeah, and then, you know, she didn't have to come out and say, yes, that was me, but she did right after the movie was released. Yeah, she
1: could have remained in hiding under her alias. Yeah, because she's a narcissist. She's like, look at me. Why,
0: well, yes, I definitely am the one who killed my friend's best, I mean, my best friend's mom. Oh. But don't ask me anything about it. i
1: i definitely did it i'm taking claim but i don't want to talk about it that's that's too person it's too painful how
0: how could you do this to me (laughs) yeah i'm the victim here do you know how traumatic that was for me yeah exactly but then you know the the i feel like there's a complete opposite uh reaction for um pauline who well for one it was her mother (laughs) yeah yeah true Yeah, she committed matricide, and I mean, yeah, that would definitely tear apart your whole world. Oh, in a big way, yeah, yeah. Well, I guess if, I don't think she's a complete psychopath, because she definitely, she has some remorse. The other girl, I don't, I don't know if you'd call that remorse.
1: No, Pauline definitely showed signs of remorse, and as you know, spoken about it. Um, Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, and Perry doesn't sound uh, remorseful at all, not really. So, She makes herself out to be more of a victim than the woman that she murdered.
0: Yeah, and I mean, she lied through her teeth several times saying she had no idea about the crime. Uh, Like right after it happened, she said, oh, well, I was walking ahead and Pauline came running with blood on her and said her mother had fallen. And I had no idea what happened, but um, they proved later that that was a lie um so oh, well yeah do what
1: go into self-preservation mode and you lie through your teeth and throw your best friend under the bus <laughs>
0: yeah but then pauline was like yeah i did it i did everything and juliet had no idea but then when they took pauline to jail and realized she realized that juliet was not there juliet i mean pauline said well i will tell you the truth if you would let me see juliet and she told the truth about how they both beat her with the rock and it was planned or the half brick and it was planned and then juliet was later arrested which they did put them together at first which i thought was pretty wild i guess they had to you know keep up their promise which i thought they would just be like yeah right no we're not doing that but right when juliet was brought to jail to be arrested Juliet's father and brother just dipped to England and never attended the trial or never interviewed or anything um so Juliet's dad is just really like no bye just like always
1: I don't know this girl I am distancing myself from this embarrassment to my family
0: (laughs) yeah I think uh, I think it was either Joan Drayton or Peter Graham in one of their books. They said they believed that the mom and the new boyfriend would have dipped, too, if they weren't summoned by the court. Uh they yeah, were already in the process of leaving.
1: Yeah, I believe that. I mean, they had already resigned themselves to just shipping her away and like going on with their new lives so when she throws a murder monkey wrench they were both like yeah we're still out peace
0: (laughs) (laughs) see you on the flip side (laughs)
1: deuces
0: (laughs) Yeah. so so they were both arrested and kept Uh, I'm assuming in the same cells. I know they were together. Uh, I'm assuming they're in the same cell or I know they were in the same prison and they would talk regularly. So I'm pretty sure they were pretty close, if not in the same cell. And then whenever the trial started, it was like the biggest trial in New Zealand's history. And especially because of matricide, like that was unheard of in 1950s. I mean, it's still pretty rare, um, but especially with young girls being the murderers. Um, So all of the newspapers from like around the world were pretty much there trying to get pictures of them because they would walk into court and different um, meetings and stuff together. So, they would have the matron in the middle of them. And so, a lot of the pictures they're together wearing, well, Pauline had no fashion sense, whatever, and was look like a 50 year old woman. She looks so scary. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, but they, they would walk in a court every day, and um, all the the newspapers would like try to take pictures of them and everything, and even when they were in the windows, they eventually had to cover up the windows with cardboard and tape because the press was trying to get into the windows to take pictures of them which
1: of which come on you <laughs> yeah. know they loved that shit
0: oh yeah, they definitely they did
1: be, they wanted to be famous they yeah. gu- they gained it there with infamy
0: <laughs> yeah uh well one of them's famous now the other is a <laughs> a horse a horse trainer in Scotland yes yes but yeah they they definitely ate it up um and especially in all of the psychological tests they ran on them they just tried to run circles around all of them and play up that they were like literally insane but it didn't work um and it Pissed them off so they would threaten the psychologists and psychiatrists Um, and they all pretty much came to the conclusion that they were all they were both repressed homosexuals I thought that was pretty crazy that they didn't diagnose them with any actual mental illness
1: they just they just put it under the umbrella of those crazy homosexuals
0: yeah with- bringing out their rainbow <laughs> flags
1: <laughs> yeah you know which was like super progressive at the time I'm shaking my head you can't see that but I'm shaking it no <laughs>
0: <laughs> so progressive So progressive. Um, yeah n- neither of them admit to that still today they said it was never physical and even the doctor said maybe if it wasn't physical it was definitely repressed Um, But there's no proof of it. Anyway, they spent five and a half uh, years in prison, um, both of them. Uh, Pauline was sent to Arahada, Borstal, which was north of Wellington. And then Juliet was sent to Auckland's notorious Mount Eden Prison, um, which is women's prison. But they were released in November 1959. And that's when Juliet immediately went to Italy and met up with her dad and stepmother, um, who I don't know who that is. They, she wasn't ever mentioned in anything um, with her brother. So, And then she immediately left them and went back to her mom. I'm like, dang, man. Like, she hates you. <laughs> they both yeah, hate you.
1: <laughs> yeah, because mommy, mommy really loves you, like, yeah. so much she's like i just need your approval
0: um i just
1: want you to (laughs) love me mommy
0: (laughs) yeah so then she went to england as a flight attendant then she went to the u.s to florida and joined the latter day saints and then moved to scotland and that's when she started writing her her crime novels she's sold over 25 million copies and has over 50 crime novels. And the most recent was released last year, and I have not read any of them. But apparently they're good from the reviews I've read. Um, so she does get to live the life of a murderer through the book she writes.
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe in the future for, like, a Patreon episode, you and I can, like... Read one of these murder novels and decide if she's a shit writer or not.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I wanna read the one about oh, it was some kid was killed and then they trace it back to uh some pedophile who was making money off of child prostitutes.
1: Mm, so Epstein. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> By the way, he did not kill himself.
1: Hot take. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I can't wait to for COVID to get the, uh, what is her name, Giselle or Jeze- whatever, Jezebel, Jizz, Jizzly, Jizzlane. Jizzlane. Isn't that her name or am I pronouncing it completely wrong?
1: I I think it's Gizlane.
0: Oh, I like Jizzlane. Well, I'm just so ignorant. I didn't even know, but... <laughs> Yeah, I, no, I definitely knew it was not I just thought it was funny. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, no, I'm with you. <laughs> it is funny. And we do not owe that woman a monochrome of respect, so we will continue to make fun of her.
0: Yeah, I just hope the COVID doesn't get her before uh, the electric chair or whatever.
1: <laughs> oh, or, or she doesn't hang herself in yeah. quotation marks.
0: Or she, uh, shoots herself twice in the back of the head.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because, you know, I don't know if you know this. It's super duper easy to shoot yourself in the back of the head. Like, everyone knows it.
0: (laughs) I'm just waiting. Just waiting. Oh, back to, uh, (laughs) another crime that we were just talking about. Um... So after the release of Pauline, she changed her name to Hillary Nathan. Yeah, which you that's is- tell you,
1: I like Hillary Nathan better than Pauline Parker.
0: Yeah, I do too. It, it doesn't have the alliteration, but yeah, I like it a lot better. So I read a, a couple of sources. Um, I think it was the New Zealand Herald. Said that she previously worked as an English teacher uh, with the mentally ill. And then she settled into the Orkney Islands in Scotland and uh, became a horse trainer because she's a horse girl. Which we all know what (laughs) horse girls are.
1: (laughs) You mean um, Tina Belcher?
0: Yeah, she likes butts. (laughs) Yes. So horses. she's never really given an interview from what I could find. I don't know if you could find an interview, but I did find an interview with her sister, Wendy. Um, yeah,
1: yeah. I have no interview stuff from Pauline because she has wisely stayed out of the spotlight.
0: Yeah, definitely a good choice. I mean, you can live your own life, but you can't, you know, just lavish and like... Oh yeah, I got away with murder, you know. But
1: I mean, she's it's pretty away- foolish if you if you are that kind of person. Yeah. Looking at you, OJ. <laughs>
0: <laughs> He's in jail, by the way. Um, again. So the this woman, uh, Pauline, devout Roman Catholic, and she just likes to train horses. And according to her sister, they have rekindled another, like, you know, a relationship after she was released. And Wendy says she's super remorseful and pretty much lives like a nun now. Um, yeah. So she's she's the definition of a recluse, I think, like a horse trainer in an, on an island and, you know, roman catholic but other girl i don't really think she is
1: and perry the non recruit
0: and perry if you're listening talk to us just come on stay your side
1: (laughs) oh my god why would you bring up this deeply depressing time in my life i told you i don't want to talk about it
0: and i told you i just forgot everything i don't remember what with anything happening like it's the most pivotal moment of my life and i have no recollection of it which i didn't even know her (laughs) i didn't know who who are you talking about
1: pauline who's that Mm. i had no idea her mom died (laughs) oh my god send my condolences
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we're going to hell. Oh.
1: Uh, I'm already there. <laughs> oh,
0: man. I wish I had a better outline because we didn't even go over the actual crime. <laughs> um,
1: We My. did, though. I covered it how it happened in the movie.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, which is pretty
1: uh, much exactly how it happened.
0: Yeah, it is pretty exactly how it happened. Um, But they didn't stay where they were. They told that lady, mommy, she's hurt. And then they like dipped out to Juliet's family's house. Yep. yep. Um, but they did hit her with a half brick inside of a stocking mm-hmm. yes, over 20 win. times. And apparently mm-hmm. the stocking ripped because the brick flew out of the stocking and then they proceeded to beat her more And Dr. Colin Pearson, the pathologist of court, he said he identified 35 injuries and 24 of those wounds were to the face and the skull. And he said it only took probably three hits to knock her unconscious, so she was probably not even moving for you know the 31 more times they hit her.
1: Yeah, you know they they were just going by the same philosophy that the main character of Zombieland has, you know, double tap. In this case, like 24 tap, and <laughs> definitely be dead. <laughs>
0: yeah the the opening scene though the opening scene is good where there's screaming cover oh yeah
1: (laughs) it's an excellent way to start off the movie just to, just so you know that this isn't some cute movie with a young, gorgeous Kate Winslet. and oh, she's with... so hot.
0: Sorry, she's... I know. She I have so... I have
1: I have an unapologetic lady boner for her.
0: Oh yeah, just... definitely. Me too. Totally. She's, she still is was, hot.
1: I know you have aged like fine wine, Kate Winslet. I just want to let you know that
0: you have amazing skin, and I want it. Oh, <laughs> I know. <Come> on, you <laughs> skin. <laughs>
1: Oh my god, we just went full-on Ed Gein for a second there. (laughs) I want to wear your skin! (laughs) Yes! No, but really, she's I want to make
0: you into a boob (laughs) lampshade. She does have nice boobies, which you don't... Do you see them in the movie? No, you don't. But you do see... Little weird sex scene.
1: Yeah, there is a there is a slight little weird sex scene. If you want to see Kate Winslet's boobs, you see them in Titanic. Are they in Titanic?
0: Oh yeah, paint me, okay. paint me like one of your French girls.
1: Exactly. All right. So I couldn't remember. It's been a long time since I've watched Titanic. Full disclosure. But I re- I felt like there was boobage. If you ha- if you somehow have been living under a rock and haven't watched Titanic, but would <laughs> like to see Kate Winslet's boobs, there you go.
0: <laughs> look and she has a little bit of armpit hair it's very very beautiful
1: tasteful armpit hair so yeah I'm just like look men or you know bisexual pansexual you know if you like the ladies I'm just giving you some pointers yeah where you watch, watch one.
0: Titanic <laughs> I think straight women could appreciate uh her boobs as well I mean
1: totally just on a like a artistic point of view yeah. they're just they're just good that's just being objective they're objectively good and and we've just gone on like a two-minute rant about kate winslet's breast so you're
0: welcome yeah you're welcome kate winslet (laughs) yeah um
1: (laughs) we 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 are not objectifying her this is an appreciation
0: no she's a great actress she has a great pair she has great skin
1: um she's got like a cool beauty mark nice hair
0: yeah I think we're both in love with Kate Winslet.
1: I think we might be. I, I mean, I be.
0: understand why uh and Parker was in love with Kate Winslet too.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> you know,
1: definitely. I I get it, totally <laughs> get it, Melody Linsky. I bet you enjoyed making out with her. Oh, she definitely
0: did. I mean, who wouldn't? Totally. <laughs> okay, so that's that. It do we
1: discuss? Yeah, I think I think we're pretty my... much.
0: My outline was uh, not as good as the last one.
1: (laughs) It's cool, because I actually had an outline, and I think I kept us within the boundaries, except for when it was comedically right to just go off on huge tangents. (laughs) Yes. So, that ends the episode today, and look out, guys, I've picked the topic for episode three. Woo! We're gonna be doing the Bodom Lake Murders of Finland.
0: Ooh, I have no idea what that is.
1: <laughs> well, if you want in, um you can do your homework audience, possibly with Morgan if she decides to come back for a third episode.
0: <laughs> Ooh, if no one says like, hey, she sucks, get a new get a new hose. <laughs>
1: Bodum Lake, which is the film that's based on the Bodum Lake murders, um, is on Shutter and is streaming there. And you guys can go watch that in anticipation of listening to the podcast in a couple of weeks when we decide to crank out another one.
0: Woo! I'll be there. (laughs) (laughs) And I hope all the listeners will be here too.
1: Yes. We hope you continue to listen to our ridiculous somewhat well-focused rambling.
0: Yes. It will get better or I will. I mean, Anna is perfect, but me, eh, I got some work to do.
1: I'm not far from perfect, where it's, you know. Did I mention that we went to college together for communications? You can't tell,
0: right? <laughs> <laughs> Radio class. Woo.
1: Woo. Honestly, cinematography was the best class though.
0: I don't know if you took that or not, but it was I missed out on that class. I should have. It was great. Yeah. I that's what I'm not a filmmaker. You know
1: what? I said, that's how I learned that I'm not a filmmaker. (laughs) Oh, well, I guess that's my, (laughs) well, I think I maybe could be, but I legitimately just really phoned that in. But anyway, um, this is goodbye audience.